you will, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'll be today, looking at the, the whole chapter, it's a pretty short chapter, fairly familiar story, I'll guess, concerning Samuel hearing the word of the Lord for the first time, and his response to that. Before we look at this text, let's go to the Lord, ask for his help with it. <clears throat> Fathers, we come to your word, we pray that you would guide us to it and through it as we learn more about you, as we learn more about your redemptive purpose, as we see your son Jesus on every page, that you would show us our sin, show us our need for the gospel even now continually as we rest in Jesus Christ. Show us the hope that we have uh, in Jesus that we might be willing to share with others. Again, guide us to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I read this passage, I was reminded of a show that used to come on TV called Undercover Boss. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that or watched it. But it was, uh, it was an interesting show where basically this boss of a giant corporation of some kind would enter his own workforce, like FedEx or some big company like that that's just so big that the, the employees wouldn't even know their CEO if it walked, walked around on the workforce with them. And they and this uh, CEO would just go and take various jobs, like the, the one from Subway literally went into the stores and was making sandwiches. And, uh, and they would do that in order to understand the strains and the demands on the common worker in his or her company. So as you can imagine, this created some very interesting interactions. And of course, the boss discovered that not everyone that works for them is a dedicated employee, as you could guess. Many times the boss would even get yelled at by some of the lowest workers because of their lack, the boss's lack of skills to do the menial tasks required of those basic positions. It was pretty incredible that the owner of Subway, for instance, just didn't know how to make a sandwich, um, but knew how to run a business, so that's why they're in charge. So anyway, at the end of the show, the uh, the gig was up. The boss would give rewards away to those those employees that were really good and punishments out to those who were not really good. Basically, rewards and punishments according to what people deserve. The boss would usually come off looking like a saint of some kind, and the villains were those who somehow attempted to undermine the work of the boss, and everyone's happy at the end. Uh, la dee However, today's text has many elements, I think, of that show, Undercover Boss. But, of course, we're talking about the creator God uh, rather than a mere man. And, and, and the one he is speaking to, in this case, is a young boy named Samuel, who is one of his best employees, as it were working and serving in the Levitical work of the temple. And like all of the companies on the show, Israel, in this case the company, scarcely even knew what the Lord looked like or sounded like. They just knew they had one. That was it. They didn't know what his words sounded like. They didn't know him. Samuel's work and ministry then represent a time of renewal a time that the word of God is being among the people of God. And so, of course, with that, what does the word of God bring? It brings life, but it also brings judgment. 
because the Lord cannot tolerate sin, particularly deliberate sin. And so that is what we see from Eli and from his sons. We talked about last week, this deliberate turning away from the law of God, turning toward their own desires. And Samuel here is going to receive a word which affirms the word that Eli had already heard from that mysterious prophet, that, that his family is headed for judgment. And so I think this story has a lot to, to say concerning God's word and how we receive it and even how sometimes we don't listen to it, sometimes more often than not. And so as we look at the text, we're going to consider three main ideas, that God withholds his word to judge, God's word requires our response, and God's word is good. And so with that, let's look together at the text, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word today. <clears throat> I'm going to read the entirety of 1 Samuel 3 and then the very first part of 4 verse 1 because I think it kind of ties up the knot real easily here. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called for me. And he said, I did not call you, lie down again. So he went and lay down. Samuel called again, or the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called for me. And he said, I did not call for you, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called for me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, and I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrificing by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli or tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide from me. May the Lord do also to you more more if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. 
let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and none of his words, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated. And so first, and I think is probably the main idea here in this passage, is that God withholds his word in order to judge. The very first words of this chapter that we read are very, very ripe. We read this, these words in very few other places in Scripture. That now the young man Samuel was ministering to the, to the Lord under Eli. And get this, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Anytime we read this in Scripture, that the word of the Lord was rare, that the, the word of the Lord was going to be kept from the people, it had to do with the way that the Lord was dealing with the people. A lot of how frequently they were hearing his word and how infrequently they were hearing his word had to do with the way the Lord saw what his people were doing. Turn with me quickly to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 12, I think give us a really good picture of this. We'll read from these verses. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, and seek the word of the Lord. But they shall not find it. They shall not find his words. And I think in this passage where the Lord is giving judgment to the people, what happens? Well, they didn't listen to what the Lord said. So for Amos, Amos's message is, you're going to go into exile. The people would soon learn that the word of the Lord was the thing they needed most. And they wouldn't have it. At this time of the Judges, where we read the book of Judges and even into the first bit of Samuel, the same, the same themes, the people hadn't really listened to God for years. Years and years. And Israel had become so corrupt that even her priests were some of the worst people among the, among the nation. The judgment of the Lord was this, that he is going to withhold his words from them for a time. Why would he do that? Because it seems like when they are at their worst, that that would be the time to hammer them over the head with his word, right? Just, just beat him over the head with the word. Well, consider 
what the words of consider what the words of the Lord had been to them. They had been words of life. They had been words of deliverance. And so now without them, what are they going to experience? They're going to experience death without the words of the Lord. Even their worship leaders, even the people who are supposed to bring them into worship, to lead them into a place where they can worship their Lord, are bad news. Nothing is good. This is a judgment on the people of God. The question shouldn't be, why would the Lord withhold his word? But it should be, why wouldn't he? The Lord has been dealing with a people who treasured their own words above his since when? Genesis 3. Since the garden. There hasn't been a time when mankind once deserved to hear from the Lord or deserved to have him deliver any kind of message, whether one of blessing or one of curses. We don't deserve that from him. And here, the people are getting exactly what they deserved. To not hear from their creator, and frankly, to not hear from their judge. So then, what are they getting when Samuel comes on the scene? And this is, this is important for us to understand it. What are they getting when Samuel comes on the scene? And we, when we read that the Lord is finally giving his words to Samuel, what are they getting? It's called grace. When we receive something that we don't deserve, that is the very definition of grace. Samuel, receiving a word from the Lord, was a sign that the Lord was ready to give grace to his people. Not because they somehow started doing the right thing. Did we see that at all in this text? No. It's actually quite the opposite, right? He did so because what did he say about his people? What has he said all along about his people? That he would always have a people. That he would always have a people for himself. And it was time yet again to deliver his people. And we know of one that would come, the prophet, who would come bearing the word of the Lord to a people who hadn't heard from him for 400 years between the Old and New Testaments. We know that to be Jesus, who was the word of God made flesh, the very essence of grace and mercy for an undeserving people. If the word of the Lord gives life, through his grace, then what does the word of the Lord made flesh give us? Turn with me to John chapter 1 real quick. I know you guys probably have the, the gospel of John memorized by now, but we're still going to, to turn there. John chapter 1. I think this is a great tie-in as you see the word being grace, being offered to us as grace. Look at John chapter 1, 14, and then 16 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth 
came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So what do we see here? We see the offering of the Word made flesh being grace upon grace. The Word made flesh is a way of salvation. Just as the words of God were, and still are, a means of grace for the people of God. Our confessions, our catechisms, they call the preaching of the Word, the hearing of the Word, the teaching of the Word, a means of grace. And I want you to see how that is. We receive grace when we receive the words of life. And so the question for us is, can this still happen today? Is God still withholding his word? One commentator I read, Ralph Davis, if you're into reading Old Testament commentaries, get all of his. They're incredible. He says this. He says, we may have the scriptures, meaning that we have God's revealed word in totality in billions and billions of prints. We all have one. We all have several. We may have the scriptures, but we suffer from deafness. So the word is rare. Starvation may not come from the absence of food, but from a lack of appetite. So what is he saying? What do the people want? Do they want to hear the word? And to be clear, how do we hear the word? We hear it now by reading it, by hearing it preached, by hearing it taught. We don't hear the word by being asleep by the lamp at night and the Lord coming to us and saying, Samuel, Samuel, or Mike, Mike. Be nice if he would do that, but he doesn't need to because we have his word completely revealed. Do we want to hear the word? It's a question. There are times when we'd rather accommodate a much more sedated word from the Lord, something that makes us feel warm and fuzzy, something that tickles our ears. But we are a church that values good teaching and preaching, and we value the word. However, we should never let our guard down, brothers and sisters, because when we do, it's so easy for us and anybody to pick up anything that elevates ourselves above the Lord. That makes him simply a pawn in our own world of blessings and puffed up wisdom and self-adoration. We call the preaching and teaching of the word a means of grace because with it, what does it do for us as believers? It keeps us in line. It convicts us of our sin. It keeps us from running astray. When we heed the word of the Lord, it keeps us with him. Want to know why the American church has been fighting about things like drums and worship and whether or not to have coffee at worship or whatever, because we've abandoned the word of the Lord. Redeemer community, this is for us. Let us cling closely to the word of God. Let it not depart from our lips, from our homes. Let it be in the midst of all of our conversations, our business dealings, our relationships, every single thing that we do, because with the word of the Lord comes what? comes life, and without it comes what? Death. And so the second point here is that God's word requires a response. And so next, we have this story of Samuel and Eli. Samuel is tending the lamps in the temple. We, we find this job in Leviticus 24, if you're interested in the, uh, the job of keeping the lamps lit. And that's what he's doing. 
the Lord calls out to him a few times, and each time he thinks that Eli is calling to him. So very dutifully, he runs to Eli and says, here I am. And Eli is like, go back to sleep a couple of times. And then Eli finally figures out, even though Eli had basically forsaken the word of the Lord himself, he's figured out that this is probably the Lord speaking to him. He remembered what it sounded like, I guess, well enough to tell Samuel, hey, this is probably is the Lord talking to you. And he tells Samuel, this isn't a pretender. This isn't me. This is our boss. We should listen to him. He's no longer undercover. Samuel returns. The Lord calls out to him twice by name. And I love that, that what it says, the Lord came and stood, calling as he did at other times. Samuel, Samuel, he came and stood. There's a few other times, I think, in Scripture where God calls someone by name like this, calls their name several times. And we see that with Abraham on Mount Moriah, where he was about to sacrifice his son. Abraham, Abraham, the Lord called out to him. Or Moses with the burning bush. Moses, Moses. Two very important conversations from the standpoint of redemptive history. And here we have Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, listen to the word of the Lord. So Samuel hears the answers and he hears a word from the Lord. And what is this word of the Lord? Welcome, Samuel, to your uh, your first prophecy lesson. Uh, we're glad to have you. And they, they had a little banquet. No. He hears a very hard word from the Lord. He hears that Eli is going to be judged. That God is ready to judge Eli's family for their deliberate sins against the Lord. Samuel isn't the first prophet to receive a hard word on his first day on the job. I mean, consider what Isaiah did when he entered the temple and saw the Lord seated on the throne. He had his lips burned off, practically. And then he was told that you need to go and preach to the people and they're not going to listen to you because I'm going to harden their hearts. That's a pretty hard word. Jeremiah, Habakkuk, others were told that the Lord was about to judge his own people and he was going to use pagan nations to do that. That was the first word they heard. It's pretty hard. The list could go on. We'd love for, for his first job to be putting checks in people's mailboxes, right? Sending out blessings. But the Lord doesn't always do that. Sometimes he has a hard word. And for Eli, this was a word of death and judgment. For he had heard before, but this time he's going to hear it from a little boy that works for him. And so first, I think we need to be careful with this text, because this text isn't about how sometimes the Lord will come to us while we're sleeping and talk to us. And we need to be careful with that. Um, again, we know that the Lord speaks through his word, which is revealed in the pages of scripture, and that's how he talks to us today. There are times, however, when we will hear a word from the Lord, but we will hear it through his people in our lives. And we have to be ready to receive it. What do I mean by that? Well, it won't always be a good word, at least from our vantage point, but sometimes it's the people in, of his people that speak to us. They speak to us the truth of Scripture, and it's a hard word that we have to hear. I think we've all had those times. 
when we've heard something that we didn't want to hear about ourselves. Maybe we have something we've said or something we've did or something that we've struggled for, struggled with for years and now people are starting to notice. I think for me, one of the hardest words I had to hear was when someone said that I was being a legalist and pushing all of my friends away. I was putting weird standards on my friends because I thought that I was some kind of super spiritual dude, but when in fact I was pushing them all away because I thought that I was their lawgiver. My friends reminded me that I wasn't Jesus, that I was preaching a false gospel. That was a hard word, but it was good for me to hear. Thankfully, I heard it very young. There are times when the Lord will use our devotion life I think in our own personal reading of the Lord to, or the Word to speak to us concerning our sin, and He does that, and I'm glad He does, our private time. However, in my own experience, I have found that He uses the people of God more and more to speak to the people of God concerning their lives, concerning how they may be built up in His Word, that they may be edified in His Word even when it's hard. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. This is a passage we looked at Wednesday morning, and it's very uh, applicable to what we're talking about today concerning God's Word. Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19, we'll read through 25. And again, in the context of hearing the, the Word of the Lord, listening to God's Word, from one another. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and consider this in the context that we're talking about here. Here we have priests having to enter in, Eli, Samuel. But we have confidence to enter the holy places because of the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and let our bodies and our bodies washed pure, washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what is this passage encouraging us to do? To stir one another up towards good work, to stand together on our profession. This is why we meet together. So that we can be an influence on one another. The Christian who says they don't want to go to church and they don't believe in going to church and they can have their own church is essentially saying to me that they don't want any accountability in their lives. That they don't want to hear the word of God in their lives. That This is indicative to me of a non-believer. They don't want the word of God in their lives. They want it absent from their life so they're not going to go to church. They don't want to hear it at all. Don't tell me that you know a believer who says it's okay to not go to church because I'm going to say you know an unbeliever. God uses his word, especially his word spoken from his people, to change us 
and to sanctify us. Remember what he prayed. We talked about this last week in John 17. He prayed that we would be sanctified by the truth. His word is the truth. And that brings us to the last point, that God's word is good. How does Eli take this word from Samuel, that his family is going to be judged? Well, he says this, it is the Lord, verse 18, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. Samuel didn't want to tell him, Eli demanded to hear it, even though Eli probably could have guessed what it was. From Eli's vantage point, this wasn't a good thing, right, that they're all going to be killed off and judged forever. But note what he says, let him do, let the Lord do what seems good to him. Eli accepts this word of the Lord, though there does seem to be a disagreement with it from Eli. What seems good to him, obviously it doesn't seem good to Eli. But from the Lord's vantage point, consider this. He only ever do it. He only ever does what he considers to be good. He can't do bad by his very nature. If he does it, it's a good thing. Everything he does is according to his own pleasure, to his own will. The Lord is never coerced into acting. He always acts according to his nature, which is holy and good. So in this way, it is a good thing that the Lord is judging Eli and his family. Just like it was good that the Lord brought Hannah a son named Samuel. And I think this is often a hard pill to swallow for us sometimes and for others. This is a hard pill for the unbeliever to swallow. This is the only thing, the only rejection I hear from them nine times out of ten is that the Lord does bad things. Well, they don't know the Lord, so how could they possibly say that? They somehow want to be able to define what is good on their own terms. So as soon as anything bad happens, they want to say, well, the Lord didn't do that, or the Lord did bad things. Or even the the believer might say, well, the Lord didn't do that because it isn't good, because we want to define good as well. But we see the opposite idea here in Scripture, here in this passage, and in many many other places in scripture what the lord does is good and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier god's word to us is always a good thing when it's a word that makes us feel good or one that makes us hurt it's good for us his word especially for his children is always exactly what they need And I think there's a good tension in the Word of God. The hearing of things that make us feel good, and that's good, and they feel good in the right way, and the things that make us afraid. Some deal with this by simply separating the Old and New Testaments, shutting out the Old Testament, even parts of the New Testament, saying things like, and I hear this at school all the time from Christian students, Christians shouldn't judge. God is love. God will never give you something you can't bear. God wants to bless you if you'll just let him. We are not under law, but we're under grace. What's the common thread here? The common thread is I can do what I want, and God is who I want him to be. 
that remind you of anyone? Eli, Othnon Phineas, Adam and Eve, when you see in the mirror. So church, let us cling to the word of God. It's always good. The way it makes us feel is inconsequential, really. Our opinions are secondary to what the scriptures say concerning his word. And it says it's good. Also, let us remember this good word that we have once and for always. And the the ultimate good word that we have once and for always is the word that has become flesh and did what for us? Took our sins upon himself so that we might have life. Why? Why did he do that? Because he is good. Because he gives his people something they don't deserve. That's grace. Once we were a wicked and deaf people, unable to hear the word from the Lord, but now, because of his grace, we can hear it. We get to hear it. And so let us draw near to the goodness of his word. And in conclusion, so what do we see here? Samuel is established as a prophet. That all of his words come to pass. And I love the way the scriptures say this. That, that all of his words come to pass. The Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. All of Israel knew that the Lord was with his people. Because the boy Samuel was speaking the words of the Lord. He speaks to us today. His word revealed once for all, the word made flesh once for all, so that his people might be saved and might be made more and more holy. And so the message for us, the message for the unbeliever, is to call upon the name of the Lord. If you don't know him, call out to his name. His word tells you that you will be saved, and his word is good and true. But for the Christian, listen to his word. Listen for his word. He is speaking to his people. He desires to see us, his people, sanctified in truth. And so let us draw near to his word and be made holy. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you for your word, the truth of your word. We thank you for the ministry of Samuel in the Old Testament, as it points to us, the ministry of Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king, the one who delivers us, our Redeemer, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And it's to him we worship and pray. Amen.